We have, do we have words to sing for the curio? You do it. The words? Yeah, sing some words. I don't know what words to sing. I don't know what words are. Hello again, curio people. We're so curious in our steeple. Curio. That was Quinny. Thank you, Quinn. Quinn. That's my that talented, lovely. That empathetic made me feel son. good. He was one of the people on my list from last episode. The list you know, I made of people that I know who, oh, who, who practice empathetic. empathy. You're welcome. You know... What were you going to say, Kimmy? Um, being empathetic with oneself... Yeah. You know, just paying paying hyper close attention to oneself in in a more objective way. Yes. Yes. Not in a self consumed way, but right. in a like when Quinn played that on the piano right now, my body felt different. Like I felt relaxed and engaged and really happy. And proud. And proud. Probably not as proud as you. Well, you're like his second mommy though. But I was it was, it was a really good feeling. You know what I mean. And to Thank and you, to Quinn. be in touch with those feelings, not just the depression and the all the poopy, yucky stuff. <laughs> so welcome to episode thirty. Wow, thirty. Yeah. So this will be the the final from this series about empathy. We might do another one later when we learn more. We're not gonna do any more about empathy because I've got like. <laughs> She's I've got, got pages of notes. And stuff and we can just make a whole sub podcast. Ooh, we could do that. We're gonna do six podcasts a week. Sub-ca- We're not making a dime. <laughs> We're not leaving this couch. We're just gonna talk and talk. So last week we talked about depression and empathy. And the correlation mm-hmm. therein. Um, this week we thought we would uh, spin a more positive note on empathy and, and ways that you can um, harness that and foster that and practice that in your own life. Right. It's really an amazing thing. It's, yes. I would not trade. I wouldn't trade my empathy for anything. I agree. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. So I wrote down some headings and then some subheadings. Okay. A little like your flow chart from lap, lap episode. <laughs> Last episode. Um, so listening. 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 Um, and part of that is... Listening with your eyes to noticing body language, mm-hmm. facial cues, um, eye contact. Yes. Yeah. Which you and I practiced in belly dancing for mm-hmm. the cues yeah. to be because we danced an, an improvisational, improvisational style. Right. Um, where we didn't have choreography. We had to watch each other 
our body movements. So and yes. when we would turn around and look at each other, we'd have to stare into each other's eyes like, what are you going to do? Where are you going next? Right. Um, and also in the communi- communications class we took in high school, that was part of our thing was, remember, we had communications partners where we would sit and turn our desks towards each other and ask each other questions. Oh, and yeah, yeah, questions. yeah. Um, so actually looking into somebody's eyes when they're speaking. Mm hmm. Because there's so much there. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're both opening our eyes wide. Yeah, we're just like staring right at each other right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so listening um, doesn't mean offering advice mm. unless it's asked for. Um, your purpose is to understand the other person, not wait for your turn to talk. So that's something that's hard, even if it's something you know that you should be doing. I have to find myself going, oh, I can tell that person about, but okay, stop. Right. You're not just staring at somebody thinking about what you're going to say next. Right. I think that a lot of these things, well, for the people, for the people who are empathetic just by nature, it just comes naturally to them. Yes. This is all like. When I listen to people, I'm interested. I want to hear what they have to say. Like You're curious, you mean? I'm curious. Like like you're a curio? Like I'm a curio. <laughs> Most of the time. There are times I do check out and I'm aware of that. Yeah. You know, I think everybody does that to some degree yeah. once in a while. But overall, this is if you want to kick, you're talking about how to kick up your empathy game. Kick it up, practice it so that you're better at it. Like if you are feeling guilt and shame surrounding any kind of relationship you have or communication that you have with people or Mm -hmm. lack of communication you have with someone, like practicing this maybe with somebody safe. Go, hey, let's practice making eye contact with each other while we're talking. Mm -hmm. Listen to me, you know, practice with somebody safe. Practice with yourself in the mirror. It's really hard to stare at your own eyes for a long time (laughs) while you're talking to yourself. (laughs) Try that. Try it. See how that goes. So I heard, I saw a a funny word in relation to listening, being not a storyteller, but a story hearer. A story hearer. Practice being a story hearer. And I think that's fascinating because, you know, storytelling is a big part of our culture yeah a big part of humanity is storytelling Mm -hmm. and and people strive towards that but there is an art to listening yes there is an art to listening to a story to hearing a story hearing Mm -hmm. someone's story yeah um and a way to practice that is to find unfamiliar to you stories to listen to to hear So maybe if you're always like watching comedic movies and listening to crime podcasts, switch your focus for a few days. Listen to something that's a little harder for you to maybe understand or harder for you to like. Only for the reason, only for the purpose of practicing hearing, practicing listening. Yeah. And you know, stay, we all, staying and keeping that contact going. Yeah. And getting out of your own your yeah. own bubble, your own mm-hmm. bubble of comfort that you've built yeah. around yourself. So I I mean, ever since that communications class we took in high school, I'm, I don't remember how she said it exactly. But like, you know, the bigger part of communicating of communicating is listening. Mm-hmm. And it really is because if somebody's talking yeah. to you and you're not listening, 
they've wasted their time and you're in la la land what's the point nobody's there's no connection no connections made nobody's gotten anything out of the interaction right except maybe the storyteller the person speaking walks away feeling dejected you know mm-hmm. kind of bummed that they were ignored right. and you can tell when somebody's ignoring you oh yeah you know just they check out right so the next uh heading reverse engineer an interaction with someone so imagine um that maybe you were in an an interaction with somebody who was upset and you couldn't figure out why they were upset um actually imagine yourself as that person stand up get into the posture that they were in put your facial features the way theirs were mimic their body language try to remember the words that they said and say them out loud wow so that you can feel what that feels like in your body and i know we did this in massage school where we worked with a a partner we sat facing them on the floor Mm -hmm. and we watched each other sitting there on the floor and then the teacher would say okay the people on this side of the room mimic how the the other people your partner is sitting right now wow how interesting And so you would get into whatever position that was and then tell the other person how that made you feel like oh my hips are hurting now oh but that relieved my lower back right and then you'd switch and that was so eye-opening for me at the the time because i i never think about how you hold your body you know before going into massage school i never thought about the way that you hold your body and your, your body posture can sort of tell a story of the pain in your life the wow. physical pain in your life right yeah you know it's you know body reading and all that but mm-hmm. you can do the same thing for emotions or you can try right practicing or mimicking not in a joking way or at the person but it's 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 like taking mirroring to the next level right you know well um yeah. What? Wow, that, well, I was just thinking, like, in theater, that's got to be... I seem to remember hearing somewhere that that's a practice in theater, to 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 take on the characteristics of another person, or, right. you know what I mean? Just getting in their skin. Yeah. Basically. That's interesting. So, along that, that, that vein is what this... <laughs> Sorry, Ziggy's, Ziggy's doing, getting into my lap, but he's, he's doing, doing the, 16 circles. He's doing the circle dog thing. There you go. There Tuck in. Go. Nope. Here he goes oh, again. He, he's not nope. comfortable. Um, <laughs> finding a person out in public that you don't know mm-hmm. and imagining that you've switched bodies with them. So let's say somebody's looking for a sweater on a clothing rack or something, and they're mm-hmm. very into what they're doing, and they're pushing the sweaters around, you know. Imagine that you have switched bodies with them. They're in your right. body and you're in their body. Mm-hmm. Imagine what it feels like. Why is she pushing the sweaters so fast? Where is she going? Why is she in a hurry? Or, you know, the- Why does she have a scowl on her face? Right. Or uh, standing on one hip? Or Yeah. Right. Yeah. How come so, she's not using her left hand? A lot of these are taking the time to do them. They're, they're taking... It's about taking attention and focus, focusing, Mm -hmm. um, 
outside of yourself outside of yourself yeah giving that attention to something else yeah but in a healthy way Mm -hmm. not in in an unhealthy way right um the last the last heading is meditation oh my gosh and remember when we were talking a couple weeks ago about loving kindness meditation Mm -hmm. um that is called maitri i looked it up it's called maitri or meta meditation um Focusing love and compassion on one person, somebody close to you. Mm-hmm. So first you do yourself, then a friend or family member, then someone challenging, and then an enemy. So we had been talking about like trying to send loving kindness to Donald Trump and if that would work. Right. <laughs> I didn't try it, by the way. I couldn't bring myself to. <laughs> I tried and it lasted like a fraction of a second and I ended up in the fetal in a bad. Uh, ugly place wow yeah it's hard so it's hard that's what i found about practicing empathy and i i feel like along those lines meditation has helped me the most besides just naturally being an empathetic person but i i feel like using my empathy in a more positive way Mm -hmm. has been through the focus of meditation yeah like how is my meditation helping other people how how will improving my mood help those around me? Mm-hmm. But I feel like the core to all of this is like listening, communicating, connecting. Right. Those. And with openness, with no no judgment. Right. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. It's once once you realize that we're all connected, we're all you know, there's a base of emotions that we, that humans have. We all have them. We all have them. And different things are going to inspire those emotions. And once, I don't know, I think there are certain substances in the world that really are kind of a fast track to that whole, like, we are one idea. Right. (laughs) But there's a way to get there without the substances. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think meditation is one of those things. Yeah. And awareness and interest. Oh, my gosh. That's, to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Just being interested in other people. People are fascinating. Really? They have all these amazing stories of wealth of experiences and insight. And, gosh, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Weird history. Weird history. Strange emotions. You know, it's. They're like, every person is like a treasure chest, and you just got to pop them open and muck around in there, and you're going to find... Or just watch. Well, yeah, you can watch too, but I like to dig around. (laughs) I was telling Quinn, because this is a quality that I think Quinn has, my son, um, where he's very interested in people, Mm -hmm. and he definitely got a lot of that from his dad, Herb, who... That was one of the things I really loved about him was he would sit down with somebody that was nothing like him, complete mm-hmm. opposites, and the look on his face was like pure curiosity. Like, yeah. I need to know what makes you tick. Tell me everything, yeah. you know? And I I think that's such a... It's such a cool way to exist on Earth. Yeah. Like, being that curious and interested in people. Yeah. I think it definitely can lead to more empathy. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's uh, just the interest alone and the, and the, the ability to um, accept other people as they are 
obviously that's empathy. But, you know, sometimes if you get into a depressed state, that can be, that can be kind of shoddy. It can be kind of tough. Yeah. You know, to make that connection. Because well, then you're back into yourself. Well, we're all human. Yeah. And humans are flawed. Humans are flawed. So we should not beat ourselves up if we have those. No. No, not at all. And stop you know? beating me up, Kimmy. And I think... St- <laughs> <laughs> I think with... With, with my little diagram, you know, I think a lot of self-awareness could alleviate that whole dysfunctional right. thing um, for the person who's already feeling empathy. And once you start to beat yourself up about something, you've got to stop. You're on the wrong You're on the wrong branch of Kim's flowchart. Right. you got to get off that freaking branch fast. Right. It's a toxic branch. Get away from it. Don't beat yourself up. Have a little compassion for yourself. Have a little empathy for yourself. If you can find the two brains, I like to find the two brains and pull them apart sometimes. If, you know, brain one can talk to brain two and say, okay, this is where you're at right now. Why don't you have a little compassion for yourself and let it go? You know, if you feel like you did something wrong, okay, do what you can to fix it and move on. You know, go get on the good branch. The branch that's not breaking? The branch that's not breaking, that's not <laughs> held together with freaking duct tape and stuff. Oh, my Lord. I had a dream once that I was a man. That's an odd segue that you just had there. I Well, it goes into the empathy thing because oh, okay. in the dream, I was aware that I was a man and I normally wasn't. Oh. So I was like... It was weird. You know, I looked different. I had a penis. Did you look at it? Or you just could sense that it was no, there? No, I just knew that it was there. Like, I could I could sense and know that I had a whole different box of junk. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and in the dream, I remember it so vividly because it was so bizarre. I'm calling so this bizarre. episode Box of Junk. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... It was weird. It was like I wasn't myself. I was in somebody else's body. Shape-shifting like we were talking about. When were we talking about shape-shifting? I was. Oh. Reverse engineering and shape-shifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you woke up, did you feel a little more empathy towards men? I don't know. It was a a long time ago. Mm. Um, I wonder if that would be a good exercise. Like, walk around all day pretending like you aren't your gender. That would be interesting. Or to dress up like a man and see how you're treated. Well, there's that exercise. They ask women, um, like, what would you do if there were no men in the world for 24 hours? Like, what, what activities oh, would yeah. you do? Yeah. And women yeah. say things like, I would go take a walk. At night. Wearing whatever I wanted to wear. I'd go dance right. at a club with my friends or, you know, whatever. I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have my keys in my fist as I as walked I to the car. Yeah. yeah. I think there are lots of, lots of little, little ways that one can foster empathy in their own mind, in their own being. So. How am I thinking of this? What's happening in my brain? 
my brain is full of snot. That's what's happening. I'm wondering if for someone who maybe doesn't feel empathy, a lot of empathy naturally, like mm-hmm. what would be the reward for them trying to feel more? Because usually people don't want to feel more. They usually want to feel less. So here we are trying to sell this good <laughs> this good kind of empathy. Right. We're trying to sell hyper emotions <laughs> attached to depression. Man, we're, what sales freaking workshop did we go to? What's the benefit to someone? And I, I think it's... I wrote down payoffs. Oh, you did! <laughs> I did. What are the payoffs, Kimmy? Um, Before we go to payoffs, I do want to say one thing about fostering empathy in young children. Oh, yes. Um, If we're going to try to be more empathetic and build that in our own selves, we can do that with children very easily. Um, Ask them, how do you feel? Uh, um, Look at their face when they're talking to you, when you're interacting with them. Um, hold crying babies, console others in front of young children, um, and model it. Yep. Um, just model empathy and being helpful and open doors for people you don't know. I mean, it's really simple, basic, basic stuff Mm -hmm. that for an empath. Even just smiling at people. Smiling at people. Your kids will see that. Um, caring for animals is, um, a tried and true preschool teacher's Oh, yeah. Gateway to empathy. The rabbit. The rabbit. It's also a good way to learn about death and accepting that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, uh, do selfless things, again, in front of children. Um, confront bullies and stand up for others. Yeah. You know, back in the 70s, when parenting was at its lowest point, probably, <laughs> in human history. Is that? I doubt it. I mean, oh, I don't. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was a bad time. It was. I mean, it gave us the term latchkey. We've covered this before, but I mean, if you think back to like why, while, why, sorry, I'm, I have, I'm sick. Why child labor laws have to be enacted? It's because children were working in factories when they were very young. You know what I mean? Like, right. There have been times in history that were more dangerous for children than the 1970s. But parenting. Oh, I see what you're saying. Not just societal norms and got it, whatnot, got it, got it, yeah. but parenting. The selfishness of the the yeah. It was a it was a hard time for women because women were expected to take care all. of a home, take care of kids, and have a full time job. They're supposed to. I mean, that's still bring home the bacon and fry it up in, in a, a pan, pan. and never a... ever let him forget he's a man. Right, because you're a woman. Right. What was like the that's name supposed of that thing? to be empowering? Anyway, if a child is hurt or injured, don't ignore them. And if they're having a problem with a sibling or another child, don't say, just ignore them. Because when you've done that, when you do that, you're disregarding the child's feelings who's looking for help, and you've just enabled the bully. Okay? Oh. Bam. What a dysfunctional bucket of shit that is right there. (laughs) Just ignore him. Um, uh, letting them cry it out. Ugh. Uh, just not listening. Or yeah. just, you know. Put dis- your cell phones down, ladies. Put your fucking cell phone down. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe this next generation will rival the 70s and poor parenting as far as screens go. Whole different topic. Yeah, we can do another show on that. But um, yeah, just listen listen to young children. Help them figure out what their feelings are. Help them use their words. Say, I don't like that when you do blah, 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 blah. And sometimes you have to, if the child is very shy, let's say there is a bully on the playground or something. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I found that works is that I say it for them. Yeah. You can tell what they're wanting or they're crying, they're upset. Mm-hmm. Say it out loud and say it loud with force. That hurts my body. Yeah. You know, say it for them so that yeah. they can see like, oh, that's okay for me to feel that way. Mm-hmm. That that adult just showed me that my feelings were valid. Yeah. And they stood up for me. Yeah. And there's the empathy right there. They knew how I felt. And of course, kids aren't going to be able to verbalize any of this. But no, but it's this a person, process cared enough about me to pay attention to how I feel and they acted on it right um and uh, in other ways don't ever disregard a child's feelings or anybody's feelings don't tell them how to feel don't tell them that their feelings are wrong don't call them names don't you know oh you're too sensitive like you said in the last episode oh you're too this oh you're too that no don't I'm the right amount of sensitive Right. Everybody's different. And don't, nobody should ever be made to feel guilty or shameful f- about their feelings. Ever. You know who I wish would listen to this and, and take this to heart is like public school, public middle school educators. Yeah. Because school is hard and they don't make it easier for these kids that are blossoming into adulthood who have confusing feelings. And like you said, in the last episode, they that's when they start bullying. Right. Well, and the, there was a major anti-bullying campaign that happened mm-hmm. when my kids were coming up right. um, in school. And it, I see the difference. And I've asked them. I've asked them when we were living up north. And then, again, when we moved down here, like, what is it? Does this happen on the playground anymore? Are there bullies? Are there, you know, do people do these things? And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, no. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure it does in little pockets and stuff, but not like when we were kids. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember Josh once when he was probably in second or third grade, um, there was a kid at school and, um, he was being made fun of and Josh stood up for him like literally stood in front of him and said don't talk to him that way and he came home and told me about it and of course my heart like swelled and then shattered into a great did you jump around squealing with joy because that's what i would have done and embarrassed my son (laughs) who's sitting right over there everybody that's why i'm saying this you know i just said god josh that was the right the most right thing to do how do you think it felt for him when you oh. stood up for him. I mean, God, could you ask for anything else, really, than for somebody else to stand up for you in that kind of position? You know, especially little kids. Yeah. But everyone in every facet of Everybody. life needs people to stand up for them. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay, the payoffs. What are the payoffs for having empathy? Well, let me get my book. <laughs> my magic book of empathy words. I know lots of words. I'm a stable genius. <laughs> I'm a, you are a stable genius. <laughs> I'm n- 
now. I was an instable genius like a year ago. <laughs> your intellect is a smocking gun <laughs> pointing to your stable geniusness. Well, a smocking gun. I imagine a smock with guns printed all over it. That's what I imagined when I saw that. I imagined some weird doohickey at Hobby Lobby that would just like shoot out smocking onto fabric. What? <laughs> yeah. I had trouble really wrapping my head around that. <laughs> okay, the payoffs for <laughs> She has to look through her copious notes. Uh, what are the payoffs for C's? And I, again, I had them. Yeah. But Compassionate or cognitive. I don't think, I think if an, if an effective empath decides, you know what? I'm going to go for the cognitive branch of the tree. I'm going to head on over there. Right. You know, which is, I think, a better way. Not that it's wrong. Neither way is wrong, but I think the cognitive way is easier. It's less stressful. It's definitely. less stressful. And it, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a less stressful way of dealing with those feelings. Um, a small note right before you start your payoff list here was, um, People who have that effective or emotional empathy, mm -hmm. they've done studies where they took pictures of their brain. Mm -hmm. um, and they, same way, they had a control group of cognitive or compassionate empathy mm -hmm. versus emotional or um, effective empathy. The people who felt the feelings as though they were their own mm -hmm. had the same parts of the brain light up as the person who was actually going through that situation. And also... Near neurons. Yes. Also releasing the same amount of um, adrenaline, cortisone, all the things, wow. cortisol, sorry. Really? That increase your own stress. So having that kind of emotional empathy where you're feeling everything that that person feels as though it were they were your feelings right. actually is harmful to your body. Wow. Right. So what are the payoffs <laughs> for cognitive <laughs> empathy <laughs> let's just shoot for cognitive everybody <laughs> i want to know what the evolutionary um oh man i want to know why there are people in this world that are that empathetic what is the function there has to be there has to be some kind of maybe in days of old they were the the healers the medicine doctors the the midwives the witches, the people who helped people. Wow. Before that, I, I feel like before that would have, that would have allowed you a, a more prestigious place in society. Mm -hmm. And now all of us people who are very empathetic are just like bouncing around with anxiety because we're like, ah, I should be a midwife somewhere. I should be a Baba Yaga. <laughs> I should be a guru. No, I'm just kidding. I hate gurus. I <laughs> not gurus. I hate that guru mentality that people take oh. on when they think that they know everything. Uh, right. Yeah. The whole yogi guru. Right. Everybody's a teacher. Kind of. It waters everything down and turns it to stuff. Bad stuff. All right. Okay. Sorry. I 
and I have even more to say about that because I talked to somebody today at length about this, um, one of the most empathetic people I've ever known, a sea empath, who, that's a whole different issue. Just you have to finish that story. You can't just start that story and not finish it. So she had, and she's wildly intel- intelligent, uh, great listener. She's in a field where she meets lots and lots of different people. Is and, this this person? Yeah. Oh, okay. And and um, she had. A, I asked her about it today, and it was like two hours. We talked, and it was fascinating. She had so many really interesting insights um, from her own personal life and then just on a broader level. But she told a story about um, her mom. She was in high school, and she came home. Something had happened. Caddy girl thing had happened. She came home, talked to her mom about it. And her mom said, find out what they're afraid of losing. Find out what they are afraid of of losing and assure them that you won't take it away is it popularity is it a boy is it a boy is it what is it that they're holding on to that they don't want to lose and find a way to let them know that hey i'm not competing with you right and then you'll make a connection with them that way and i thought that was you know just really empathetic thing to tell your daughter right and so like we were talking about she cared and she was yeah but she was behind it she wasn't uh enmeshed in the problem like i know that i've had trouble with my um daughter where when she's really hurting mm-hmm. oh god it hurts me yeah and yeah. i've had to learn through lots of training with professionals Mm-hmm. That the best thing that you can do is take yourself out of it. Put yourself yeah. behind yourself and say, gosh, that really sucks. I'm so sorry that happened to you. You have to do that special kind of disconnection. Yeah. And it's Where you, you so... show that you care, but yeah, that that's your cross to bear. I'm over here. Right. And I love you and I'll help you if you need it. And as a mother, that's probably one of the most difficult things. That's horrible. It's Especially because you've been through middle school or elementary school. You yeah. know what it's like. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So she she told this story, and then she kind of went went off just kind of exploring, you know, this whole idea. And one of the one of the points she hit on was, um, you know, maybe way back when, when we were nomadic people, when we tribal. were tribal, and that was the word she used when we were tribal people, and we had to women had to make connections and maintain those connections oh, yeah. among themselves. For survival. You yeah. get ostracized from the tribe and you're a you die. childbearing woman or you've got, you know, babies, that's it. You're yeah. done. So you had to pay extra special attention to what was going on around you. You had to you had to negotiate relationships with other women in the tribe. Right. Um and you know, what did that look like? How did empathy grow out of that experience besides just being a mother? Well, also, and, I mean, men biologically are bigger than women and scarier and angrier, usually. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm projecting this, but we have to, historically, right. ancestrally, we've had yeah. to watch facial cues, a mood in the room mm-hmm. to keep ourselves safe. 
Yeah. And that still happens to this day. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that sense of like watch everything that's happening because you've got to feel what's coming up next is yeah. just ingrained in us from history, from millennia. Maybe maybe we do maybe we create our own value judgments from that experience as young children. So for a C empath Things are pretty cut and dry. They've had better modeling, you mean? Well, yeah, they've had better modeling. The e-empaths, maybe we didn't have the greatest modeling. And maybe we, everything was, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, this is safe, this is not. Confusing. So it becomes confusing. And it becomes, it becomes making judgments about the quality of what's going on or the action or the way i just made a judgment about men right <laughs> <laughs> which is something that i've wa- I'm, i've been watching in my own brain for a while judging men yeah mhm being afraid do i need to be afraid i mean most women are they'll all tell you yeah. yeah but i don't need to judge all of them right but okay but anyway so again chicken and the egg maybe that's something that happens when we're young and we learn to pay attention on a different level where it is personal because our safety is at stake right so the cm paths are like it's all good you know they're just paying attention to what's going on around them they know they can affect they know they can affect their environment right whereas the effective or emotional empaths don't have that option they've got a they have fight or flight they have to fight or flight so they're learning to internalize everything that's coming at them. But those people are helpful in society also. Of course. Of course. Those are the people that get passionate and take to the streets and, and can also affect change. Yeah. So it's not... It's it's like we were saying before, it's not good or bad. It's not good or bad, but it's just a different way of being in the world. But maybe that's why. Maybe that has an impact on it. Did we just solve this or no? Because I'm more confused. I'm going to have to listen back to this. I know. This is going to take a while. Which, that idea, I did not have that idea before. But, in thinking about the list of the people that I made and their attributes, yeah, um, that fits for a lot of the ease that I found. They, they had a confusing childhood? They, there were things that happened that were confusing yeah. and very steeped in conflict and required Traumatic. a lot of attention. Yes. And um, they weren't separate from it. They were part of it. They were, yes, woven into the fabric of this dysfunction, yes. Right. I speak as though I'm speaking from personal experience, That's right? strange. Okay, what are the payoffs? Okay, I'm sorry. Payoffs. <laughs> payoffs. Helping others. Yay. God. Jeez Louise, it feels good to help somebody. It feels good to open a door for someone who's got full arms. Do you know what I mean? It's that yeah. simple. It is that simple. Just to be paying attention to somebody and put a smile on their face and... You know, the, what is the Dalai Lama says, I'm not compassionate for the other people. I'm compassionate for me. <laughs> Which, it feels good. Again, it feels good, but it perpetuates it. Yes. So it feels good. So you do it again and you do it again. And it moves through society that way. Um, feeling good about helping 
um, like I said, it perpetuates the circle. Yeah. So just like a smile is contagious, a, just a kind of random act of kindness for anybody is going to move. It's got it's got legs. It's got yeah. energy. It's got even vibration. if you don't see the the eventual outcomes of that, it's like a ripple. Yeah, it just keeps going. It leaves you, and you just have to know that you did good, and it went out into the world. And you're not even really the boss of it. Maybe the ripple came and hit you from somewhere else, and you didn't even know it. <gasps> Meta. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um. It's also being in the moment, oh, you know, just being that. in the moment and being present. And that's a payoff. Not worrying, not ruminating, not planning, not worrying. I mean, not if being you are anxious. helping someone, you're not thinking about yourself in that moment. No. You're like, oh, let me help you. Right. It's relief. It's, <laughs> it's a relief from the chatter in your own brain. It's relief from your own sick mind. <laughs> Sicko. <laughs> Maybe and, if Charles Manson had helped other people. <laughs> he probably thinks he did. <laughs> oh, uh, um, okay, next. Uh, and helping the payoffs to be... Um, the, the payoffs for empathy with people you are close to somebody who's feeling depression mm -hmm. is a connection which is precious yeah and it's um i don't even know what else to say about that it's just a deep deep connection to care so deeply for somebody else that you try so hard to help them feel better right that it matters that much to you is well, there's I'm no greater calling as a right human. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're here on Earth. She's really crying, everybody. <laughs> oh, Kimmy. I'm not. I'm fine. <laughs> I need my snot rug. Um, but God, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about the connection and caring about each other and, and holding each other up. That's why we're all here. Right. That's why we keep having children. Connect. I think. Connect. I'm thinking. I see the smocking gun. <laughs> you see the smocking gun coming out of my ears. It's smocking hard. I'm thinking that everything is shooting out of a mass of connection. The whole universe. It's all about connection. It's huh? all about connection. I mean, you and I, every, I feel like every episode we do, it comes back to that. Yeah. And real connection, compassionate, mm -hmm. non-judgmental connection with other humans is right. what is going to save us, people. Yeah. Now, let's get on to global warming. Oh, Lord. We all better reckon with all this <laughs> compassion and shit. Quick, you better hurry. Because it's all going to go up in a big ball of flaming <laughs> red Christmas trees and shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So my husband's turning 50. This is exciting. You'd never know it. He looks like he's 25. And he acts like he's 17. <laughs> <laughs> if you call him an adult, he gets mad. Really? Yeah. He's, he's Especially kind of if you like... say it in this way. Hey, you're the adult here. Oh, yeah. Which no. is probably the, the wrong way to say that to someone, but... 
He's yeah. D- Doug's kind of a conundrum because he's ca- he's got the old man thing going. Like Definite. He, you know, old manning around. Right. And that's been ever since I've known him. How Always, long? yes. Yeah. So, but he's very youthful and... He is a conundrum in so many different ways. <laughs> and we were hanging out. We've been having weekly um, date nights or date days. We'll take the whole day. Oh, He's given so me cool. Saturdays. Which oh. is a good thing that came out of my depression. Because... He couldn't do anything about it, but he said, hey, let's go somewhere. Kind of like what Paul does for you. Mm-hmm. And and so he decided, I'm giving you every Saturday. Th- that's your day. That's so sweet. But so this past Saturday, we went to um, Santa Anita's having a winter fest. Santa Anita Racetrack in Arcadia, California. They're having a winter fest. It was, oh. it was kind of lame, but <laughs> it wasn't what I was expecting. Way to promote. What? <laughs> What is it? Is it like a... There's like a little outdoor ice skating rink. It's on the infield. So there's like food trucks and an ice skating rink. And they show like Christmas movies. It's mostly geared towards kids. I wasn't... I was imagining that it was more like a European uh, Christmas market kind of feel. Oh, without people getting run over. Yeah. Sorry, that sounded catty, but... But that that wasn't... That was a hurtful thing that happened today. Sorry. It wasn't that... Okay. But what I was trying to say was, um, Asha, my niece, went with us. So it was the three of us. Mm-hmm. And we were eating. We each got something separate, all from different food trucks. And Doug had gotten up to walk away. And we had been interact- interacting in some way. I don't even remember what. But Asha looked at me and she goes, you guys really are opposites. And I said, yeah, we are. And she goes, is that what makes a relationship work? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. It's working for us. But Wow. What a good... Um, it was a good observation. Yeah. She's really paying attention in life right now. I'm so impressed by her clarity that she has. Oh, my gosh. At her age. Yeah. She's realizing stuff about herself and her life and the way life works. Yes. Way earlier than I ever did. Mm-hmm. And it's very refreshing to see somebody her age, like, think of that deeply about... Yeah. Like how she wants her life to be. Yeah. It's really impressive. But so she, I can see her watching Doug and I like, how is this working? How does, how does this, kind of <laughs> picking it apart? Oh, I remember what happened. He got um, Thai fried rice in a box uh-huh. and the flaps of the box made it so he couldn't see into the, to the box to see his food <laughs> because the lights were like far away. Uh-huh. And his solution to that was to just complain about it. Like, it doesn't taste very good because I can't see it. That's what he said. And what did you do? I very quietly got up my phone and turned the flash on and held it over his box for him. Mm. And he was like, oh, look how pretty it is. That tastes better. And I said, (laughs) and I said, I just very gently said, do you need me to leave it on? And he said, no. I saw it. I saw it. He needed to see his food so that it tasted better. And then he got up to go get napkins or something. And Asha was like. Because we had both approached that in different ways. He complained, like, oh, I can't see my food. It doesn't taste good. Right. And I was just like, oh, here's a solution. Let's do this. Here we go. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that story up. Well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, if you if you think of it, and Doug was able to identify his problem on a really uh, unique level. I can't see my food. It doesn't, it doesn't taste, taste good. good. <laughs> okay. So... That to me that makes perfect sense. It does to me too. I knew exactly what he meant. So his brain is busy figuring out what the hell the problem is. 
And you just need to be presented with the problem to find the solution. That's what I'm good at. So there you go. So that's, you know what I mean? Right. That's where the, where the energy is exchanged. I guess that shows everything. how we work together emotionally, too. If one of us is, like, like confused and in turmoil, the other one can be yeah. stronger. Paul and I do that, too. We tag team back and forth. We're very rarely in a bad mood or sad or struggling with anything at the same time. Yeah. Very rarely. And, it's, and I don't know why. I've never questioned it. Survival. Because it fucking works for us. <laughs> That's for sure. Paul, well, Polly's turning 50 this year, too, right? Um, uh, next year. Oh, next year. Yeah, 19. Whoa. Yep. Dude. Five zero for him. Josh will be 18. Oh, 16. no! Your 20-year anniversary. It's like everything at once. Everything at once, yeah. This um, is the age for it. Yeah. This is the soup of life, Kimmy. Mm-hmm. You gotta grab this soup by its balls. Come here. Come, Come here, soup. soup. I want to grab your balls. Your matzo balls. Your meatballs. <laughs> your oblongigas. I know what that feels like. To grab soup by the balls? Because <laughs> of my junk in my box. <laughs> junk in the box. Hey, everybody. Subscribe to the Curio Podcast. Please do. Please, please practice some empathy. There's a great payoff. Yay.